Hello and welcome to the first episode of the GTLA Lakers 818 podcast. I am your host, Greg Habibi, here with my co-host, Tarek Sheikh. This podcast is for all the true diehard Laker fans. Thank you for joining us on this journey. This is a weekly podcast where we will be discussing recent Laker games and all things Lakers. We're doing this podcast because Tarek and I are huge Laker fans. We're both born and raised and still living in the San Fernando Valley, thus the 818 in our name. We've been close friends since the third grade, and basically almost every time over the last 20 years that we've hung out, we've discussed the Lakers. Uh, We both started watching the Lakers in 1996, which was Kobe's first year, and been watching ever since. We decided to turn our weekly conversations about the Lakers after pickup games at LA Fitness into this podcast. And that's the other thing about us. We're hoopers. We've been playing basketball pretty much every week of our lives since we were little. Played high school, travel ball, AAU ball. And these days you can catch us at LA Fitnesses throughout the Valley, be it Van Nuys, Northridge, or Universal. So uh, catch us out there. We also play in leagues throughout the Valley. Uh, and there just doesn't seem to be podcasts out there from people who grew up actually playing basketball. Seems a lot of these podcasters and analysts are all advanced stat guys and probably have never picked up a ball. Uh, So we wanted to offer a more traditional perspective on what's going on on the court uh, with more of an eye test approach rather than using crazy formulas and numbers. I want to give a shout out to a couple of people who have either influenced our perspective on the game of basketball or made us want to podcast. First, Stu Lance, the Lakers color commentator. Uh, He's been the color commentator for the Lakers our whole Laker lives. Uh, We've been listening to Stu Lance for so long, and he's super underrated and has such a great basketball mind, and I'm sure all you Laker fans already know this, but wanted to give a huge shout-out to him. Love you, Stu. Lastly, want to give a shout-out to Jalen and Jacoby, Bill Simmons, and Zach Lowe, uh, other people who do podcasts that we like. Again, this is a weekly podcast. Can't say right now which day of the week the podcast will be released. Kind of depends on our busy schedules. Uh, I work as an attorney, and Tark and his family own and run a few Baskin-Robbins throughout the Valley. Uh, and everything we say is just our opinion. We're not trying to pass off that we're the most knowledgeable basketball people in the world or anything like that. We're just huge fans of the Lakers and huge fans of the game of basketball. We're so excited for this new era of Laker basketball. And, Stay in your lane. And we feel like it's an appropriate time to get into the podcast game. Lastly, we're both very new at this and not much computer people, so please excuse if there's any miscues during the podcast while we learn how to use this equipment and software and stuff. Lastly, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GTLALakers818 underscore podcast. Uh, As soon as we can, we want to make this podcast fun and interactive with all of you and plan to use social media as a tool to accomplish that. Let's get right into it. Today is October 26th. The Lakers have played four games already, going two and two. Two and two, baby. Which, and it kind of feels similar to the Lakers' 10 and 10 mark last season. I don't know why, even though it's only been four games. But uh, the Lakers had two victories, one against the Phoenix Suns, one against the Wizards last night. Uh, And both of those were amazing games. I, I seriously, after the Phoenix game, I said to myself, that was the most memorable and exciting game of the post Kobe era Lakers I swear like it was that thrilling yeah like, for sure yeah and then the game last night I could say the same thing the game against the Wizards they it was overtime game and uh, the Lakers got a victory and it was 
it was close. It was super fun. Um, yeah, the Phoenix game was a great individual performance by Zoe. And uh, the game last night was just a great team win. Uh, a, a convincing, solid win. It wasn't like Lakers had an exceptionally well shooting night or the Wizards were totally off. But, man, Lakers actually played some defense in that fourth quarter, which I'm so happy about. And everyone made shots. Like, I'm talking about Kuzma. Randall stepped up with defense. Ingram carried us in the fourth quarter. And it just seemed like the whole team was in sync. Definitely. And speaking of Lonzo, he's actually the first person I want to talk about today. Uh, after four games, small sample size, but we have the statistics here. Uh, let's go over this. Averaging 11.5 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, half a steal, no, one steal, half a block, shooting 32% from the field, 55% from the free throw line. Ouch. And... Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, though, is the rebounding. Lonzo is, wow, this guy is nine an, and nine? an incredible rebounder. I mean, anyone, to take anybody and say, okay, play four games in the NBA. If you get nine rebounds after four games, that's saying something. That's pretty good. A rookie point guard? A rookie point guard, only 19, not even, is he even weighed 200 pounds? I don't even know. But what amazes me is he has, like, this amazing knack to follow the shot like he it's kind of actually i was listening to um who was i listening to i can't remember if it was Stephen a smith but they were saying it was reminiscent of dennis rodman actually and i kind of agreed like he knows he knows where that ball's coming off yeah like he watches it and he just kind of goes to where it is and actually i remember last night against the wizards after the first three or four minutes i was like how many rebounds does lonzo have and i swear he had five and then they announced he had three and i thought that was really weird but whatever um you know a couple of possessions actually i i noticed early in the game uh, in the first quarter I, uh, the wizards took a couple shots and uh even when the lakers shot it felt like there was only two people i remember a couple instances there was only two yellow jerseys two actually you know powder blue jerseys with the minneapolis lakers but it was just nance or it'd be lopez and the other guy would be ball like actually in the paint not that he got the rebound but yeah. he was actually in there like a body in there and fighting with the big men trying to get that rebound you know that, that says a lot for for him yeah i think that his lowest uh amount of rebounding in a game so far this season has been like eight i think like That's, i know he's had like two nines and an 11 that, that'll get the job done <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, Brooke Lopez, he, that's he kind of that's his weakness. And yeah. I think he's making up for that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, next thing I talk about is the assist. I mean, this guy, I, I, I still feel like we haven't seen the full array of Lonzo passes. I mean, he's had a lot of, I mean, we've seen it, just a glimpse of it. We, we've, been, we've been watching this guy since he was in high school at Chino Hills. We saw him all at UCLA, UCLA, UCLA last just, year. UCLA was another level, man. And even at Summer League was incredible, too. I feel like, and it's, he's averaging nine assists, which, I mean, that's that's crazy. Already insane. But I just feel like, what's to stop him from averaging 15 in a season? I mean, he man. hasn't even. He hasn't even had a full feel of the game yet, man. Yeah. He's just getting started, and he's already at nine. Yeah. That's crazy. I want one play I want to talk about. I think Ingram got the rebound. And he just like he there's four four Laker jerseys under the basket. Ingram got the rebound. He just literally just gave it to Ball, and within a second, Ball just flung it up over all the whole defense. Threw it up to Larry Nance. Larry Nance caught that and finished it with the an and one layup. And it was just it just made it so easy. Literally in one second, he just 
Lakers, that was such an easy possession for them for the and one, and the crowd was so into it. it you, you know what? You yeah, know that, play? that pass was crazy because it was funny because Brooke Lopez thought it was for him until he realized there's people ahead of him. He was like, wait, that pass is terrible. And was then it just, for Brooke Lopez? No, it was for Nance. Uh, it, it was, was for, for Nance. Nance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But Brooke just, he was kind of like trailing only by like four feet or something. Yeah. And he didn't see who was in front of him. But then, dude, just right on. But he threw it over like four people. And it just Full landed. Court. Yeah, and it Full landed right, right in his hands. Right and on one layup. It was reminiscent of that pass. Remember to Kuzma in Summer League. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of the length, I guess, that one was yeah. just... Yeah, but this one might have been tougher just because there was three people right around Nance. Like he, yeah, it's not like he was running for. He was almost like he was almost underneath the basket. Yeah, and it just like landed right in his lap, and he just had to turn and finish it. Yeah, passing is definitely the part of Lonzo's game. I'm just, it's just he makes watching basketball so fun. Like it's just beautiful to watch him. Looks good. Yeah, and makes me want to watch yeah i mean he just he's just so smart so intellectual dude it's contagious yeah you've been noticing that i mean like we've been making the extra pass not just alonzo i think he it starts with him but you know the lakers are moving the ball around that three you know everyone's making the that extra pass no one looks selfish on the court everyone seems unselfish and dude that's a recipe for winning when you don't have like that solid all-star superstar go-to guy you get it's got to be a team game and it only happens with passing yeah yeah no doubt i'm just i'm looking forward so much to all the lonzo highlights i hope he's with us for the next 20 years and we just have the most beautiful highlight reel of passes you know along the lines of magic lebron um i i think he it's i don't know i know it's a weird comparison but I see a lot of Lonzo or LeBron and Lonzo or Lonzo and LeBron. I don't know. Not not in every asset of the game, but just like passing. The, yeah, just like having the ball in his hands and like just, just making anything happen. Like just passing it to a wide open dude for three. I mean, how many I even last night I remember he hit I remember Pope for a wide open three at the end of the game. He knocked it down the corner, mm-hmm. hit Kuzma for some mm-hmm. open ones. He got like, that. He got that one old board and hit. Um, was it Kuzmar Pope for a three in like overtime or the fourth quarter? It was a big one though. Yeah, yeah. Um, next, let's talk about these percentages. Uh, as I said, he's shooting thirty-two uh, percent from the field right now, uh, and interestingly, is actually averaging the most attempts per game on the Lakers at fourteen. Thirty-two um, percent from the field, fifty-five percent from the free throw line. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least he's showing confidence and he's putting that ball up. So uh, that's a, that's a good sign. But imagine if he was making the shots. Imagine if he was even shooting like forty or forty-five percent from the field. I mean, we would have won that game against the Pelicans. That was yeah. a close game. And in college, he was the most efficient player in college basketball. So these numbers will go up. I I feel like I think he's he just ha- he's just getting a feel for that NBA speed that NBA yeah level. I don't because I don't see him being that confident I mean not, not that he looks unconfident but I don't see him he needs to shoot more I mean he does he needs to shoot more so um, a couple of those shots yesterday those threes they look like they were gonna drop they look good yeah and yeah they did you, we both know I mean after watching him, we both know he can make that shot. Uh, without a doubt but uh, I mean it just happened to be a bad shooting night it happened to be a really bad shooting night for him and Lakers got that W which yeah, is good yeah and these numbers actually the 14 the, him leading the team in field goal attempts it's definitely skewed because after four games he had the one game against Phoenix where he shot 27 times so that definitely helped raise that average up 
And then the free throw, I mean, the free throw, 55%. He I mean, shot, it, he hasn't gone to the line much, has he? No, he's averaging uh, 2.3 attempts a game. But one thing to look out for is his free throws because in college, he shot under 70%. He was in the 60 uh, percentile range, like I think somewhere around 65 or so. Um, I'm sure he'll get better. He knows he's what he's got to work on. Yeah. And the whole <laughs> drama and stuff with Lonzo just... It started with the first game of the season. Uh, I want to talk about that first Clipper game and him going up against Pat Beverly. In my in my view, I kind of thought it was the best thing that could happen to Lonzo because Patrick Beverly is absolutely the worst, and by worst I mean best, like op- opposing point guard defender. And scrappy. If that's if that's what you see your first game, that sets the bar high for you to where. You know what to expect. Yeah, you know what to expect. And everything after that's going to be a little softer after him. So even though he didn't play that good that first game, I thought it was truly a blessing in disguise. I would rather him go, yeah, go, go against Beverly than against a, a non-defending point guard. Like, I thought that was really good for him. Um, oh, for sure, man. I, I totally agree. Definitely on the same page with you on that. And, yeah, no, it's it's good. Like, it's he, he needs that. You know, he needs to feel that, you know, so he, he knows what to expect. Like everyone's out after him, as as they say, because of his dad. But uh, it's, it's good. He experiences that. And now he, he's he's going to be coming ready, you know. And speaking of his dad. Uh, Stay in your lane. Um, he's been, he, I mean, he just keeps Stay staying. Your lane. He keeps staying in the media. And the one, this is so interesting to me because before the Wizards game, you know, LeVar came out and said he guaranteed basically a Laker win, saying, my boy don't lose games back to back, basically. And uh, I watched his first take. I watched Undisputed. And both Stephen A. and um, Skip Bayless, they, comp- they, they like were saying that what LeVar is doing is a disservice to his son and blah, blah, blah. They're just completely bashing him. Even And Skip Bayless has been on... Uh, LeVar's team this whole time he loves LeVar until that episode and he's like I'm off the LeVar bandwagon and I can understand where these people are coming from they're like oh he's gonna nah. but like I think it's actually a good thing because if this was the 80s or 90s I would say you're putting your son in danger because back then the NBA was rougher I mean back then and even Charles Barkley said if he was if I was playing with him I would have taken his head off and I'm sure he's exaggerating but no like if this was the 80s and someone's dad's tripping off they would when he came down the lane, they were going to give him elements to the face. But oh, in, sure. in today's NBA, like, it's so soft. Like, no one, what does that mean when Mark, when John Wall says, oh, I'm coming full throttle, or Gortat says, oh, he's going to torture Lonzo? Like, in the NBA what today. What does that mean? Yeah, that like, doesn't, I mean, okay. close him up every single play down the court or something? Yeah, it's like, you're not going to do anything. So, and, and then it's so funny. The next day, everyone's like, oh, LeVar, LeVar, oh, now he's, it's actually a strategy. He's, he's making it so that, John Wall is going to try to go at him and throw their game off. I mean, <laughs> look, look, look. LeVar, I think he's done an amazing job with Lonzo. And, you know, only time will tell with his other two boys. But I think he's done an amazing job coaching his son since since he's a kid. And it's made what Lonzo is today. Like, it's it's been all LeVar. Like, Lonzo's only seen his dad as, a, as the only coach. Obviously, he's high school and UCLA. Uh, but he knows what he's doing. I think the great players... 
they, they thrive under pressure and they can handle the pressure. And he knows his son's potential. He knows what his son can do. And he, he has high expectations for his, for, his, for his son. And Lonzo has high expectations for himself. And he knows he's got to handle that pressure. But, you know, there is a quote today. Um, uh, I don't know if it was today or from yesterday. But uh, Lonzo's like, he, he said that he's just uh, he's just ready to help the team. Win. Let, me, let me find this quote. Okay, Algie knew. This quote, quote on uh, Lonzo. Algie knew everybody was going to come at me like that. I'm not going to get into any Twitter war. I'm going to go out there and help my team. You know, and Lavar, he's even said, "Look, it, we're not worried about Lonzo's stats. We're trying to get that W, which I'm, I'm so happy about. I thought, I thought Lavar would, you know, kind of, you know, give me, I don't know, make me worried about Lonzo's uh, play, but." You know, just the fact that he says that it's not about his stats, it's about getting that W. It just it just gives me assurance. Yeah, definitely. And the interesting, what's interesting to me about Lavar is you would think he would be the kind of dad who like, oh, my son should shoot every shot, or I want my son to score. But he really has like a really good view of basketball in the he's sense smart. that he's not about stats and he's not about he's you know smart. his son. He, necess- he knows the game. He knows the game. Yeah, and when he, and he'll say sometimes he'll say, "Oh, Lonzo, he's got to come close the game out." But he doesn't mean he needs to come in and score every time. I mean, he can't. That is one way Lonzo can uh, finish a game off, just like he did in Phoenix with those three left-handed layups back to back to back to win the game. Um, but he just means put the ball in his hands, which I think is the best idea in the world. Let him have the ball, and he's gonna just, create plays. Yeah, he's and find guys. Just like I found guys yesterday. I mean, he, he got just like you said earlier, he hit KCP for a three. You know, he hit uh, Kuzma for a three. Yeah. You know, he even had a layup in overtime. Finally, he got on the board. I've felt like forever, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he he was he seemed poised and he seemed under control. Like he he knew what the right play was. He knew what to do uh, towards the end of the game. I think he learned a little bit something from that uh, Pelicans game. Yeah. And by the way, John Wall only eighteen points. Shot, I think seven for twenty-two. Um, so, dude, you know, first peace, quarter, bro. Peace. You remember that he he stripped uh, he stripped the wall twice, clean clean strips. Yeah, yeah, no, he yeah he did. I remember that. Some good defense. I have one one comment uh, thing to say about Lonzo. I wish he could hear this. Maybe one day he will. But um, he has this weird habit. It's this one, a bad habit of his going up for layups with his left hand when it's available on the right hand. He's missed, like, at least I can remember yeah, three, think, four. He knows that. Like, where it's like, I don't know, he likes using his left. He does like it. But if you're on the right side of the basket and the yeah. easier shot is the right-handed shot, you've got to go up with your right. Yeah, like, Stu Lance called that out. Yeah? I remember, yeah. Yeah, like, he, because he's missed at least four layups this season where if he just went with his right hand, he would have made it. And I think they did some fling left-handed shot. Like I think he, I think in the back of his mind, he knows. I think he's just trying to put a little extra, you know, finesse on that. But... Uh, I'm sure, you know, with time, he's going to know that, okay, let me just make it easy for myself, you know? Yeah. But super excited about Lonzo, and we'll talk about him some more. But next, I want to talk about Brandon Ingram. Uh, Let's look at his stats. He is averaging, after four games, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, half a steal, half a block, uh, 42% from the field, and uh, 33% from the three-point line. Now, what I want to talk about with Ingram is he's been v- either a stud or a dud in the four games so far. Let me let me explain. He had two stud games. Against the Suns, he had 25 points. Career high? Yeah, career high, 25 points. He hit three threes 
and shot 64% from the field. And against the Wizards last night, he had double-double, 19 points, 10 rebounds on 50% shooting. Yeah, he carried us in that fourth quarter, though. Yeah, sure. had the game-winning tip and layup. <laughs> and I, don't know, I, I think he has the weirdest mechanics to drive to the basket, and we can talk about it another day maybe, because that, like, the... Just let's segue into this real quick. That tipping he got, thank God he has long arms because oh, that layup, he, that he shot he shot was just, it was ugly. I mean, I don't know. He has the weirdest way to drive, I think. Um, anyways, and then, so his two, and his two dud games were this. The first game against the Clippers, 12 points on three of 15 shooting. It's 20% shooting. And then against New Orleans, seven points on 33% shooting. So my thing with Ingram is, I just... The sign of a great player and superstars, I mean, is consistency. And that's going to be his, that's going to be what I'm looking for this season. Like Ingram, if whatever your averages are, you got to hit them every night. I mean, if I'd rather him get 13 at night, guarantee me, guarantee me 13 at night rather than like have 21 game, then five the next. And like one game you're sleepy and, uh, you know, the next game you're not, uh, Stay off the weed. <laughs> well, what do you, you got to open your eyes, bro. <laughs> what do you think about uh, this stud and dud performances after four games for Ingram? You know, um, his I mean, the average is there. He's got 16 points. Uh, the consistency offensively, obviously he's not there, but I see him, he's aggressive. Like every game, he, he comes out like he, he knows he's the main guy to score on this team. You know, I, I think the bad games, he, he likes that mid-range jumper where he comes off that, that pick, and, pick and roll or pick and pop. And the, the guys are giving him space. And he like, he, he's almost falling in love with that mid-range yeah, jumper. He, some, he it, some games it falls in, and some games it just keeps, like, rattling in and out. It just looks like it's just like a bad brick. He shot one yeah. dangerous one yesterday. I remember I texted you. Like, yeah, I think it was an end semi- of regulation where he pulled up on the fast se- break. Semi-transition fast break. Yeah, yeah. that's, I mean... He shot that's that free throw line I mean, jumper. John Wall is in front of him. I'm like, you got to don't pull up, man. Yeah. You got to go at I mean, it, it, that's a dangerous yeah, shot. Yeah, I mean, he knows when he's got a smaller guy, he looks to post him up. He's got a little bit of a post game and he can, you know, finish around the bucket. Uh, he can drive, he could definitely drive the ball. You know, sometimes his gathering, you know, as you said, his mechanics look a little, uh, you know, they don't look, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't look um, fluid, like, like normal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, he, he's being aggressive. Like, the attempts are there. I think he's just got to work on his mid-range game a little bit. And if, the, if that mid-range starts falling, trust me, the defense is going to put a lot of pressure on the defense. They're going to have to stick on him. And when they stick on him, he knows he can blow by them. And he's, he's got those. He's got a length, and he can finish around guys. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his uh, averages are, you know, midway through the season. I mean, 16 a game, that's pretty respectable. Magic had him... Magic said before the season he'd like to see Ingram at 19 or 20, and Me too. I think it's possible. I mean, I, I think he, he, so he can early. do it. Yeah, he definitely can. Um, I next, mean, uh, I mean, those games, I mean, he had the bad shooting games. Like, if he just knocked down a couple more jumpers, he'd be up there. Yeah, and yeah. He seemed like he had a couple bad misses. Or when yeah. he does miss, it feels like the ball rattle around, rattles around the rim. It looks yeah. like he's going to go in and it just pops back out. Yeah, so Ingram, uh, your challenge the rest of the season, consistency. No games under 10 points. You're too long, too tall, too skilled, too talented. Let's get it. Uh, next, I'm going to move on to Let's get it. Let's get it. one of our favorite players. And for some reason, someone people hate on. JC. 
Jordan Clarkson. Okay. See, my okay. boy. Okay. I have some crazy numbers I'm going to share with you, but I just want to first talk. I just first talk about our love for this guy. I, in my opinion, Jordan Clarkson has been the best and most consistent Laker in the post Kobe era. And by post Kobe era, I mean since the day Kobe tore his Achilles, because Kobe never came back from that. And people forget Jordan Clarkson. Came in the same year with Randall, before D'Angelo, before Nance, before Ingram, and he was playing under Byron Scott, who was known to not play young players. He didn't even play the first half of that. Yeah, season. he didn't play the he he didn't start playing until January basically, and was playing the point guard position, which we'll talk about later. What position he's playing, and made All Rookie First Team, which is something no other of the Lakers young players can say. D'Angelo was All Rookie Second Team, Ingram All Rookie Second Team. Randall, he had unfortunately broke his foot and he never had a chance to make any team. Uh, Nance did not make any team. But um, let's look at his stats. He is averaging right now 17 points, one rebound, three assists on 50% shooting, 47% from the three-point line. That will get the job done. Making two threes a game. Um, Wow. Yeah. And... But let me let me share with you some of these crazy numbers, some of these crazy stuff that's going on with him. People, Dude, I pe- love JC, man. Why, oh okay, why are people hate on Clark? I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of people. Everyone hates on this guy. I mean, not hate, but they just, everyone just thinks he's whatever. Like, he is a baller. Listen to this. Tell me this is baller or not. Maybe we need Lonzo to tell us this is baller or not. Stay um, in your lane. <laughs> okay, in the, in the first game this season against the Clippers, Jordan Clarkson had 17 points in 20 minutes. Wow. That's that's game one of the season. In game two, um, against the... Wait, let me see. So you're saying first game, 20 minutes. Oh, no. Actually, my bad. And against the Clippers, the first game of the season, he had 18 points in 22 minutes. Okay, 22 minutes. 18 points. Wow. That's almost a point a minute. Against the Suns, the next game, he had 17 points in 17 minutes. 17 minutes. Wow. 17 and 17? What? 17 points in 17 minutes. That is a point a minute production. So the first game, 22 minutes. 18 points. The second game, 17 minutes. 17 points. Wow. Yeah. And then then the next game against the Pelicans... He had 25 points in 24 minutes. 24 minutes. Um, 25 points in 24 minutes? Dude, you know he led, he led that charge to bring us back against the Pelicans. Yeah, it was no, all him. Yeah. It was all him. He did. Dude, so, so look at that. Like 22 minutes, 17 minutes, 24 minutes. I mean, he's not even touching. He's not even coming close to the 30-minute mark in a 48 game. And he seems like the most efficient, most productive player on the court on the team i don't know do you have something against them like please please i'll tell you i have something against them like he just comes in and he just puts on a show he's exciting to watch he makes plays he makes stuff happen and he brings a team in the game he just brings like a, just a ton of energy and he's just you know ever since he started on the lakers he's never been that the, the loud guy he's always been quiet he just put his head down and just played the game and he's just, he's improved every year like it yeah. seems like he's gotten better and better yep and uh, I mean, 
you got to let whoever's performing, whoever's playing. You said it. Luke said it earlier in the season. Whoever's playing well, he, they're the ones who are going to be getting the minutes. He, the, he's earning his minutes, and he's, I think he's got to be cracking that thirty-minute mark. Yeah. Like no I, I think he's he's got to be playing majority of the minutes, even though he's not starting. I think he's got to get like more than like 25, 30 minutes a game. Yeah, I challenge any of the Clarkson naysayers or haters. You find me any player who in three NBA games pretty much was averaging a point a minute. Three games in a row. I mean, like I said, 18 points in 22 minutes. Coming off the 17 bench. points in 17 minutes. 25 points in 24 minutes. I mean, that means basically if you put him in for a 48-minute game, he's going to get you 50 points. Like, that's absurd. Now, next what I want to talk about with Clarkson is the lineups. Now, I got to give kudos to uh, Luke Walton because he finally is starting to let Clarkson play the point guard. I don't know what he has against it in the past. I mean, at the end of last season, maybe the last 10 games or something, he finally let Clarkson play point guard. And and oddly enough, that's when the Lakers actually won a few of their games last season. Um, And then, like I said before, he won all-rookie first team playing point guard for us. So, you know, this guy can do that. So the first time I saw it was in the Pelicans game. He started playing the point guard. Uh, in the second quarter then last night against the Wizards in the first quarter he was the first sub off the bench for Lonzo he came in for Lonzo and played point guard so uh, I was really happy to see that Um, (laughs) happy to see that Caruso is not coming in (laughs) and even though Tyler Ennis is okay like I just would rather see I like Caruso I like Caruso but I mean he shouldn't be coming in like he's a third string barely making it off the G League he should not be the second I mean, guy in. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I, Tyler Ennis, I think, should be yeah, coming in before. He should be in front of Tyler Caruso. Ennis solid. Ennis was good in preseason, good at the end of last year for us. Um, so, yeah, JC, keep it up, man. We got your back. We love you. JC. Yep. Uh, next, we want to talk about Brooke Lopez, uh, our biggest acquisition this summer. Um, this is uh, his ninth season in the NBA. He has career averages of 18 and 7. Uh, he's actually from North Hollywood, California, where we are actually currently Hollywood. recording this podcast. Go 818, Go Valley, San Fernando Valley. What's up with it? Um, and uh, we got him in the D'Angelo Russell trade, which is uh, going to be a topic for another day. We got to, I have, yeah. I have, we, that's some, we got to do that maybe on the next podcast, the D'Angelo talk. Actually, interesting point. We actually play Brooklyn next Friday. Ooh. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's in LA. It's in LA, huh? So that's, I hope, D'Angelo's missed the last two games, but I, I think he'll be ready for that. And I'm really excited for that game. But you think he's going to get booed or you think he's like, going to cheer for him? I think he'll get more cheers than anything. Yeah. yeah. Laker fans liked him. Yeah. General. Yeah. Um, I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got him in the D'Angelo trade. Uh, we traded G- D'Angelo for Brooke Lopez in the 27th pick who ended up being Kyle Kuzma. So for any of you huge D'Angelo fans, you can take, you can feel a little better that at least we traded D'Angelo for Brooke Lopez, who's a proven player, and Kyle Kuzma, who is a baller. Um, Kuzma, oh my God. Where to start with this guy? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit. But um, yeah, so Brooke Lopez is on a one-year, $22.6 million deal. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season. But after, after four games, his averages are... 14 points, six rebounds, uh, just under a block, a steal, only 40% from the field, and uh, 33% from the three-point line. 
uh, making 1.3 a game. And that's the big thing with Brook Lopez and what I thought was smart of a smart getting him is he's a he's a stretch five. I mean, he just last season, he started shooting the three. I think he made close to 150 last year, uh, which was, yeah, he almost averaged like two a game on pretty good percentages. And uh, yeah. it's, he's, I think what do you think of his start? What do you think of his first four games? I think he's still really early in the season in terms of his field goal percentage. I think he's at, you said it was at 40. Yeah, he's a career 50%. Yeah, I think I think as the season goes on, he gets a few more games under his belt. I'm sure that percentage is going to increase. But I mean, he he can he can definitely stretch the floor. He knocks down that three, like you said. Uh, He he has moves to the basket. You know, he can he has like a nice little uh, jump hook, soft touch. Uh, I just think he. I mean, it's not him, but I would like to see him be a better force on the defensive end and get that rebound. Like he's got to, it seems like these other guys, any center that he's going up against is easily able to box him out and get those rebounds. Yeah, he's he's pretty heavy footed. Like he does, he's not that mm-hmm. agile. He's not. He's, yeah, he's kind of like a lumber. He kind of lumbers around, but yeah, he de- he needs to improve on pick and roll defense. Definitely, he and what and I think. And interestingly, the last two games, he really he has he wasn't in at the end of the games. Last night, in the last five minutes, and in overtime, he wasn't in. And then on in the against the Pelicans, the last five minutes, he wasn't in. Uh, so it's interesting that you know he's kind of billed as our you know best or second best, I guess, offensive player. And uh, yeah, uh, but but I think he's good for like a slow game. And I think the Lakers are looking to run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, against the Pelicans, uh, against the Wizards, I mean, it seems like we're getting all of our points. I mean, we look good running and spreading the floor and just, you know, fast breaking. And uh, I think if we need to slow the game down, I think that's when we need Lopez and he, he can he can knock down that jumper. He's a big man out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I like him. I like that he's on a one-year deal. Like, it's it's not like a lockup. We have him forever. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, it just depends on what the roster looks like next year. He can fit really well with a certain roster, and on other rosters, he he probably won't fit that well. So I like the flexibility we have with this contract. Um, next, I want to talk about one of our favorite players again, and definitely one of my favorite players, Larry Nance. Love this guy. Junior. This guy is Mr. Intangibles, Mr. Defense. Uh, Mr. Hustle. Mr. Hustle. I got some other. I got some crazy numbers on him too. But um, after four games, he's averaging thirteen points. It's pretty good that's, for him. That's really not bad. Yeah, thirteen. You wouldn't. I would not expect that. Really, thirteen. Yeah, that's surprising. Thirteen know that. points, eight rebounds in twenty-two minutes. It's a quiet thirteen. Shooting sixty-two percent from the field. Um, the one thing about him that's Dude, that i before don't before halftime yesterday he had 18 and 10 at halftime yeah 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 he crazy. did he kept us in that game and i thought that was interesting that after having such a good first half he wasn't in at the end of the game i mean it was randall and kuzma i mean whatever the flow of the game luke wall made the decision and uh but i mean man yeah anyways the one thing about larry nance so far that's not so good is he's only shot one three and after four games after all this talk this summer about, oh, I'm shooting hundreds of threes every last day. Last summer. Yeah, yeah, even last summer. Oh, I'm shooting all these threes. He's zero for one after four games. And his big, his biggest problem, and we always talk about it, is he needs to shoot when he's wide open. Like, too many times he catches it free throw line area, and 
he's wide open, but he just he just has this it's habit it's like habit to him it's like to not shoot and to turn and make a pass or to dribble immediately like nance you gotta shoot and i have a lot of i, I marked a lot of footage and we gotta get our footage up on our, our instagram and twitter pages uh yeah for sure a lot of instances where nancy's catching it wide open you gotta shoot it bro and shoot the three man i mean you'll never know if you're good or not if you don't shoot them you've only shot one after four games yeah even even Stu lance called it out in one of the games where Nance catches the ball and he doesn't even he doesn't look at the basket and when you don't look at the basket it just it so, gives no pressure to the defense they know that you're not looking to score so they can sag off of you and they can help all day so you can't really even create a play if the defense if you're not putting any pressure on the defense and I'm sure once he gets that once he gets to that offensive touchdown he get finds his spots and his positions on when he can, where he can be effective I think it's going to be a lot easier for the Lakers to even run that half-court offense. Yeah, definitely. And one, the biggest storyline for him this year is that he's actually starting. This is the first. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. It makes a lot of sense to me. I'm, I've always been a Nance over Randall kind of guy, actually. Um, and I just think it makes it makes sense just fundamentally from this standpoint. I mean, our starting lineup features our most potent offensive players you know ingram uh pope brooke lopez i mean who's supposed to be i mean clarkson uh, anyways um and and lonzo can score i mean he averaged like 15 at ucla nance is perfect as like the fifth offensive option you know clean up finish around the yeah like he really doesn't want to even shoot which is what we were just talking about if he's the but if he comes off the bench he's thrust into the role of being the second or third offensive option and like He's not. That's not who he is. But if he plays with people that like to score, then he can use all his energy to do the defense and rebounding and Get and like on the floor. Yeah, like and so I think it's really good that he's starting. Uh, I've been rooting for that to happen for since two years ago. I remember I've been saying it actually. Um, so I, yeah, I like it. Like I and it, and it, and it just putting Rand on the bench just gives us more punch off the bench. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Lonzo, our playmaker, gets out of the game, you know, as that, from that first unit, and the second unit comes in, you need that guy who's, who's going to make plays, and I think Randall's perfect for that. You know, he's going to get the ball, and he's going to push, and he can make stuff happen. Yeah, and interestingly, like Brooke Lopez, the last two games, he was not in in, in the crunch time. Um, at the last five minutes of regulation yesterday against the Wizards and overtime, he did not play. And against the Pelicans, the last, whatever, five, six minutes, he was not in. So I, I know Luke Wallen is tinkering with the lineups right now. I, it's, just be, it's just something interesting to note. Um, anyways, let's talk about his, uh, I guess, competition. Uh, Mr. Julius Randle, who is uh, averaging 10 points, uh, five rebounds, Two. 64% shooting. Um, and so he kind of has the same... I issue I think as Nance in, in the sense that after four games he's only shot two threes he's one for two and the one he made was that big one yesterday against the Wizards one. it was a big one like that was right at the end of regulation I, if I recall like in the last minute I mm-hmm. think or something mm-hmm. so that was nice I mean you gotta he put us within one I believe you gotta shoot the three I mean the NBA is turning into a league of stretch fours and even stretch five nows I just think okay you might suck at shooting but you don't know unless you're shooting it. I mean, after four games combined, Randall and Nance have shot three three-pointers. I'd love to see them shoot them and miss them. So at least we know what we have. Like, 
What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think it all ties in with, like, putting that pressure on the defense. You know, if the defense knows, like, hey, you're not going to be shooting threes, you're not known as a three-point shooter, we're just going to sag off of you. And if you can't make that three, like, they're going to give you that three. You know, they're going to be like, oh, shoot it. Please shoot it. They're going to beg you to shoot that shot. So they could just get, there's going to be an easy defensive possession for them. This guy's wide open. Let him shoot it. Let's just get that board and go the other way. So he's got to be able to, both of them, they've got to be able to start putting up that three and, you know, they got to start knocking that down. But, you know, I think Randall, he's had, like, definitely some some really high moments and then he has some low moments. But I think he's, he's finding his groove and he's just finding, like, I think, hey, if he's going to be playing better coming off the bench, and I think he's he's happy with I Hopefully he'll be happy with that, you know, just coming off the bench. But if it's going to make his game better and if it's going to make the team better, I think there's I don't see any reason why he shouldn't come off the bench. Yeah, and there were reports that uh, Randall was frustrated with the benching. Uh, actually, Luke Walton came out and said it himself, which I thought was interesting. Um, and he put a lot of work in the summer. If you saw the footage, it was all on social media. This guy lost a lot of weight. Um, yeah, a lot leaner. Yeah, a lot leaner, but strong, still strong. Um, apparently, he worked out a lot, um, but he just, yeah, he's got limited turnovers Gotta be able to shoot. Uh, and you know what's actually interesting? Because last year he was diming a lot. Right now he's averaging only one assist a game. I mean, I don't know if it's just because Lonzo's ball in his hands more, but uh, yeah, we like to see those assist numbers go because that's that's actually one thing why a lot of people like Randall is because of his willingness to pass and ability to make yeah. passes. So at least same thing. It's still it's still early in the yeah. season. Yeah, Th- those averages they'll they'll go up. They're kind of, everything is kind of skewed a little bit right now. But I want to touch as man. That the end of the game yesterday, dude. This guy put on a defensive clinic. I thought. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, he was he sw- He can switch on anyone. He switched on Beal. He switched on Wall, and he just stayed. He just kept his ground. Excellent defensive stance, and he had this nice block, which ended up being a shot clock violation on John Wall. That was a big play. And then even towards the end of the game, I think Wall like joven and hard and yeah. and he just kept his hands up and he took it strong i think he took an elbow to the face and it went off of one it ended up being lakers ball and i think i think that was really the key of the game and that's what really turned it around for them was randall's defense really yeah he definitely kept that play with wall was the big defensive stop of the game uh he kept his verticality and uh yeah i know it's good to see because he's really he's not known as being like a rim protector and he has short arms so um, he got he got his stops. He got his stops. But it that was good for him, and because of this, because another kudos to Luke Walton for this. He's now actually playing Randall at center, which is something I've been wanting him to do for a while. In the NBA today, you really it's tough. To, you it's hard to get away with playing traditional four and fives, and the word by tradition I mean fours and fives that can't shoot. I mean nowadays teams are actually starting to even have all can't five shoot, shooters. Run. Look at the Mavericks starting Harrison Barnes at the four and Dirk at the five. Look at uh, the Cavs starting Crowder at the four, Love at the five. Look at the Celtics starting Jason Tatum at the four, Horford at the five. I mean, Randall, if, especially now with Kuzma there and the lack of minutes at that power forward spot and the forward spots in general uh, with Brewer, like Randall needs to... I, I think Randall should be our backup center and Bogut should be the third string center. Like, no, I agree with you. Like, let... Randall and Kuzma come in as the four and the five, you know, instead of 
You know, there's not enough minutes of the power four to go around. I think we had Ingram, Kuzma, and Randall at the end of the game. Yeah, the end of the game, the lineup was long. You're five, Randall. When you're five, can get the ball and just run and push. Yeah, dude, that puts you at an advantage. You know, against any team. You know, yeah, you go. You're a little bit smaller in height, but you got three long guys or two long guys. And Randall, he could play the big man too. He's physical, and you get any of those guys can all just get boards and they can all push. And it just it just keeps the defense guessing. They got it. They they don't know who to guard. Yeah. Um. I I I like what yeah like I said I like what Luke Wallen's doing. I think it's good. We talk about Clarkson playing the one. Love it. Randall playing the five. Love it. Um. And next, let's talk about Mr. Kuzma, the man himself, the steal of the draft. Steal of the draft, Kyle Kuzma. I love this guy. This guy is really good at basketball and he it's looks like a veteran out yeah there. he does um let's look at his numbers he's averaging 15 points four rebounds an assist a steal 53 percent shooting wow that um, get the job done only 25 percent from the three-point line right now but you know he's shooting he's shoot making one a game out of four um but i think that will improve we got Kyle Kuzma, as I said earlier, in the D'Angelo Russell, Russell trade. Um, and this guy, since summer league, preseason, the season now, I mean, he's averaging 15 a game. He's a, thir- he's a late round first pick. This guy is the surprise and steal the draft, man. This guy, I thank you, Magic Johnson, for doing some research and diligence and finding this guy. Like, this is, man, we this needed guy. this pick. Man, he comes in and he just looks so confident out there. He doesn't look like a rookie at all. And even even yesterday, I think he had, I'm not sure if he had a great shooting night, but the shots that he missed, man, he catches that thing and he he just shoots it with confidence. Regardless if it goes in or he misses it, he just feels like he, he's going to make every single shot. And he, he goes up, he can drive the ball, he can dribble it, he can post up, he can shoot the three, he can take it to the rack. I mean... What 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 can't he do? He could play yeah. defense too. Is he, he's he's long, you know. He yeah. he's a he's a surprise and is a, pl- a pleasant surprise, really. My favorite thing about him is the way his body moves with the ball, without the ball. He's so fluid. Like he, it looks like he could spin, do like a three sixty and in like his less mechanic. time than the average human being. Like he's so his mobile and even though and he's six eight though. You know what I mean? Like he he's fast and he's so agile and it's like it's such a weapon especially in today's nba where he's you gotta be able better. to switch screens and you want stretch stretch fours and he could in the nba today he could play the five even i swear it's not it's not a problem like what is what's his rebounds uh what did i say four rebounds yeah i'm not sure i really haven't i gotta look at his rebound some more i haven't really watched him mm-hmm. see his but i mean he's got that cape. length for sure Hey, and this guy, I mean, he's got a winner's mentality. We, we won the summer, MV, he won finals MVP of the summer league. We won the championship. He's come in, even with all the Lonzo hype, he's not like, he's not backing down. Like, he's just doing, okay, no, I'm going to do my yeah, thing. Yeah, he's very confident. And one thing I heard was that all, all the players really like him, and they even showed him enough respect. I remember at one point in one of the games, the other team got like a technical or something, and they actually let him shoot the free throw. Usually, like the veterans will take that because they want a point or something. Like, it was people that it was like Nance and someone else who's not that good at free throws. They were like, all right, they just let him. I thought that was really cool. Like, and apparently he's like really great in the locker room. And so, super excited about him. This guy, I mean, yeah, he's so young. I mean, you heard the rumors that it's uh, about the Lakers' new big three. 
him, Ingram, and him, Ingram, and Ball are supposed to be the Lakers' big three now. Hey, I I, I like it. I, I like it too. And there was one. I don't remember which game it was, but there actually was. Luke Walton had a lineup where Ingram and Kuzma were playing the two and the three, and I loved it. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to see that. I mean, because that team's gonna be so long. If, if they have, if they gel and they get it together, that's gonna be dangerous. Yeah. If somehow they could get another stretch player to play the four, then that's gonna be the longest, the most fluid team. Like if Nance or Randall could just shoot that three, like that would be awesome. But um. Yeah, no, Kuzma, exciting year. It'll be interesting to see Let's if he's... It, it'd be really cool. Imagine Lonzo and him make all-rookie first team. That would be... That'd be awesome. Incredible. Um, next, I want to talk about who someone who's apparently the best player on the Lakers right now, Mr. Contavious Caldwell-Pope. KCP. KCP. Averaging a team-high 17 points a game. Averaging a team-high 36 minutes a game. Uh, granted, he only played in two games because of the suspension. But yeah, 17 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, 50% shooting, 40% from the three-point line, making two and a half a game. And in case you don't know anything about Pope, this is his fifth year in the league. Uh, I'm, he spent the last, I think his whole career, but definitely the last three or four years on the Detroit Pistons. Uh, last season with the Pistons, he averaged 14 three rebounds, three assists, and two threes a game. And yeah, he's known as like, the he's basically like a prototypical 3 and D guy. Uh, I remember last year he got some votes for all rookie, I mean, all defensive team, even though he's not a really well-known player. That says a lot. If, if someone's not a household name and they're getting votes for all defensive team, that means they're doing something that people are noticing. Um, oh yeah, man. I mean, man, he's a solid, solid pickup, I think. Solid veteran guy. Uh, and when they say three and D, man, this guy he can shoot that three ball with confidence, and he knocks it down. I think he has. What's his percentage? You know, his three point percentage. Yeah, it was a forty two. Forty two on wow. six attempts. Two and a half. He's, yeah, six attempts. Forty two. That, that that will that will get the job done. And man, he gets in those passing lanes. He's he can get. He's quick. He's got a really quick first step. He gets in those passing lanes. He's got great hands. He loves to bother defender. He's really scrappy like that. Um, it, man, he's he's unselfish too. He's yeah. a really underrated uh, passer. Like he, he, he creates plays. He can drive the ball, and he's he's a willing passer. I mean, he has the open shot, but uh, he he'll make that extra pass. Yeah, and there are two main reasons and good reasons why the Lakers got him. The first is uh, for like, we're talking about his defense, but like for example, last night against the Wizards, like Pope was the one actually guarding John. He guarded John Wall more than Lonzo did. Yeah, um, and that's what it's going to be like all season. Like. It's kind of like how the Warriors do it with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, where Klay always takes the, the tougher guard matchup. It's going to be like that all year. Pope's going to always take the tougher matchup, and it's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, it's good. In his post-game uh, interview, I remember his, him saying, like, he, he doesn't back down from the challenge. He actually likes the challenge, and he's, he's ready to go at, at, at any guard. And he's like, you know, John Wall, that's fine, but, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I like the challenge. And he said that. Yeah, and along those lines, I remember when – and at the end of regulation, when Bradley Beal went to the free throw line, Pope was actually, he actually went right into his face and was talking smack to him. Like, and oh, he exactly. ended up missing. Yeah. 
And I have that. We got to put that up on our uh, Instagram page because I have I have that clip. Um, we'll we'll get that up. I really wonder what he is exactly saying. Yeah, no, I wanted to because I remember I saw that and I was like, oh, he's gonna miss one. I hope like because he and and he did and that was. Did he miss both of those? No, I mean he made the he made the first I think, and then I'm thinking he missed the he second. Missed one. Yeah, um, and then maybe the second reason why we got Pope, and this is a, the real. This is the real reason we got Contavious Call of Pope. He is, uh, his agent is Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, which is the same agent as LeBron. It's the agency, you know, LeBron basically started uh, with his friends from high school. And so Pope is actually meant to just be like the middleman between, uh, to communicate to LeBron what's happening, basically. Yeah. Like we have an in with LeBron through this. So like, What's you know? Because LeBron, yeah, he wants to know, you know, what's what's the future like? You know, in case we can get him, Contias Call of Pope, he's our way of us talking to having a line of communication on an everyday basis with LeBron's agent, basically. Like, that's the reason we signed when him. There's a will, there's a way. They yeah. say it's not legal, but when no, there's it's a will, super there's a smart. Way. I mean, Magic Johnson is a genius. Like he signed him just to a one-year deal. It's crazy that he actually was willing to sign a one-year deal because he's young. He's not. He's not even 27. He's like 25, 26. People usually at that age are not looking for one-year deals. That's risky. I mean, if you get injured, that's really risky. But somehow Magic convinced them to do a one-year $18 million contract, which it's it might that's be reasonable. A, yeah, it's reasonable. I mean, yeah, because it's one year, it's reasonable. I think the Sixers are paying JJ Redick like $22 million for one year. So um, JJ who? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the real reason we got Pope is to have – and in and a line of communication with LeBron James, uh, and it's genius. I think. Hey man, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Actually, that's definitely. No, I agree with you for sure. That's yeah. smart. That's smart. Yeah. Okay. Now we talked about all like the main players. You know, let's get we'll give some love to uh, Corey Brewer and Josh Hart and Tyler hey, Ennis. Hey, I like Josh Hart. Yeah. Little, go ahead. No, little, go ahead, the, dude. The little time that he's got on the court. Man, he's definitely like he, he puts it all out there. That effort and the defense, man, he's he, he came up with a couple of big plays against the Pelicans. You know, he just ripped the ball. I don't know from I think it was from Cousins or someone. Uh, he got an offensive rebound, scored a layup, and he was just he was part of that 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 drive and that that Mr. Momentum that we had. And even yet in yesterday's game, I mean, sometimes you don't need you know every single player doesn't need to be a scorer. You need those defensive stoppers like a KCP and. Man, as a rookie, he's coming. He, he looks good. He's solid. He looks like he's under control. He doesn't do anything out of his range or out of his scope. And he plays within himself. And I, I really like him. I think he's a good pickup. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he sta- He was at... Uh, God, what school is he at? Not UConn. Um, Villanova. Uh, for, I think he was a four-year player there. And he was a part of two championship teams. So he has a lot of experience uh, with with big games and yeah no he's he's he plays within himself he plays hard um no shout out to him i hope he continues to uh play well actually and, and interestingly in the pelicans game he actually had the highest plus minus uh he didn't even play that long but um i think it was mostly because of clarkson yeah. but <laughs> anyways uh next thing <laughs> i want next topic i want to talk about is uh the lineups lineups and luke walton and the coaching um the first game this season against the clippers was a disaster uh, Luol Deng started. Caruso was the backup point guard. Bogut was the backup center. And I really think, I really think that Magic Johnson like had a talk with I Luke think, Walton after I, that game. I think Luke Walton still thought that they were in preseason. 
<laughs> I think I don't think he figured like okay, regular season has started. Like we got really tighten up the lineups. And I think he was in preseason mode. I remember the first game, I was just totally bewildered on why Luol Deng was starting when he barely even play, played in preseason. And I think it was like the nine-minute mark. I think Luol had a, a bad player turnover. He missed a layup or something. And, and Chris Webber was like, Luke Walton's got to get Luol Deng out of the game. They went through a timeout. <laughs> and it's like a seven-and-a-half-minute mark. They come back from the timeout, and he's still in the game. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I was like, what is going on? Please. I really felt like, you know, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, but I almost felt like choking Luke Walton. I was like, dude, <laughs> what, what is Brian Shaw doing? Can Mark Madsen, someone knock some sense into him? Like, Yeah, and the uh, reason the reason I say that I think Magic had to talk to him is this, is because he started the game and everyone saw, anyone with eyes could see that it was just off. Like, he should not have been on the court. And then yet again, yet still, out of halftime, he started again in the third quarter. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? If Luke saw what everyone else saw, that he wasn't playing well, he, he wouldn't have started in the, in the third quarter. And after the game, or, and then before the second game against uh, the Suns, it was reported, Luol Deng, inactive, will not play tonight. And now he's not, I don't even think he's on the active roster anymore. And it, then, you know what's funny in, in, in baseball sometimes? Sometimes the owner or the manager, they have like a, they, there's a phone booth in the dugout and they can make a call to the manager and they could be like, you know, put this guy and put this pitcher and take this guy out. And, you know, the, he, the manager has to do whatever the, whatever the call is and he gets a phone ring. And I think that phone ring came after that game for Luke Walton. <laughs> yeah, because Magic, because that was, I think the, were the Dodgers playing that night? I think, yeah, the Dodgers were playing that night and Magic was super hype about it and the letdown of that first game, I think Magic was like, no, 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 this cannot go south, like, now, like, this, no way, I gotta, so, <laughs> I just had this feeling that that happened, um, you think they just gave him those minutes because he's under that big contract, and he's gotta do something, like, they're paying him so much money, but what is, sadly, what does him playing in one game do, like, that's not, that's true, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd just rather have him, sad, sadly to say, I'd rather just have him bench to be honest with you, because he, he, he's a negative on the court, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he just doesn't fit with his team. Um, uh, continuing to talk about the lineups, um, we talked about Ingram and Kuzma playing the two and the three. Uh, oh, let's talk about this. Yesterday, this was, the, this was the substitution pattern in the first quarter, which I thought was interesting. Clarkson came in for Lonzo, play the one. That's cool. Kuzma came in for Nance, and then Bogut came in for Brooke Lopez. Randall came in in the second quarter. Um, and Randall obviously finished the game. Um, but yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, I think I'd like to see Randall come in for Brooke. You know, Bogut... Uh, Bogut, if talk about... He looks flat and awful. Heavy-footed. Like, he just... He can't get, get up and down the court. Like, he looks so slow and yeah, old. I mean, I think the only positive thing he does is... I think playing with the Warriors and playing with Steph, I think the only good thing I see is he definitely sets a solid screen. Like, he can <laughs> set a good, solid screen. But other than that, like, I think his same, same thing with Brooke Lopez. He feels like I think he's heavy-footed and, uh, you know, he can't get up and down. And offensively, I, I think he's non-existent almost. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last five minutes in overtime last night against the Wizards. The lineup was Lonzo, Pope, Ingram, Kuzma, Randall. And Luke Walton stuck with it. He stuck with it. I like the it. The last 10 minutes of the game. 
Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice lineup. They won the game. Uh, that was cool. Let me tell you what my dream lineup is that I would love to see this season at some point. Lonzo at the one, Clarkson at the two, Ingram three, Kuzma four, and then either Nance, Randall, or Lopez at the five, whoever's like playing playing well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the lineup I want to see. Like those four at the base and then whichever big man is, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I think, I think Lonzo and Clarkson they can play together just because Lonzo he's just a he's just an amazing passer. But I think once Rand uh, Ingram and uh, uh, Kuzma if they can gel if they can put it together like possession for possession offense uh, and you know interchangeably they can guard each other's man. They both have similar length, similar height. You know, and, and they can both score. And I think if those two can gel, that's going to be a deadly combination. Definitely. Um, next thing I want to talk about is the Lakers' offense. This has uh, been a topic of some what? real conversation uh, between us the last few weeks. Offense. And yeah, the uh, yeah the offense. Um, Luke Walton has what he likes to call his motion offense, where. Dude, it feels like it's the same thing as last season. Yeah, and then that's and that's the first point I want to talk about is this. If you had a team where D'Angelo Russell was running the point guard position and you came up with an offense for said team, whatever if you next year switch Lonzo in for D'Angelo, you have to change that system. There's no way it's going to work. Those two are completely polar opposite players interestingly i heard this d'angelo lonzo ball in the his second game against the suns he had nine assists d'angelo russell did not have one single game with nine assists his entire rookie year wow that's how different those two players are i mean d'angelo is a scorer i mean it's nothing against him but he's and that and that was a big mistake that i feel like luke walton made was playing him at the one exclusively for so long and now he's like two yeah he's a two and and with the the d'angelo talk we have to have another day because that's something i really got to get into because he's killing it over there in brooklyn and uh anyways yeah that's a topic for another day but yeah that's the first point if you whatever offense you thought was right for d'angelo cannot be right for lonzo so it has to be a change now for the fans out there wondering, you know, or we're just talking abstractly. This is this is what my problem. This is the first problem I have with the offense. What happens is Lonzo basically once he crosses half court, he passes the ball. That in itself, just that sentence is off for me. You don't see LeBron passing the ball when he crosses half court. You don't see Ben Simmons passing the ball when he crosses half court. Like these players are running the offense. You'll see Lonzo pass it to Nance or Brooke Lopez, the three-point line, and then go set a down screen or just some movement he'll make and and then he'll get the ball back maybe later but it's like why not just keep it in his hands and and the just second let him operate yeah just, just let him not. operate and then the second point from that is okay so a lonzo's passing it right when he crosses half court b he's passing it to the center or power forward who's then in charge of basically running the offense like why why do you want Brooke or Nance to be the ones making the play. Like, yeah, like the first real pass of the offense, you know? Like, I mean, basketball, you gotta be quick hitting. If you can get a good looking shot from the first pass, you got, that's what you want. Like, because Lon, Lonzo's pass to the big man, it's not, it's, it's not, that's not starting the offense. Like, he's just giving it to him to go run to the corner or something. 
Like, if anything, Lonzo should be, someone should dribble the ball up and pass to Lonzo the top of the three to then make the play. Um, but what I will say is this. I'm going to give some kudos to, to Luke because I saw something in the Suns game, which I really liked, which I'm surprised I didn't see as often in the Pelicans and Wizards games that followed. But in the Suns game, they were doing this thing with Brooke Lopez and Larry Nance where they kept setting like dual screens like mm-hmm. and Kuzma too where it'd be one screen for Lonzo and then a second later they turn back around and set another screen and then boom like and Lonzo is getting ton- all those layups and it just looked good like I want to see as much pick and roll yeah, and the ball in Lonzo's hands as possible like Steve Nash made a living off of pick and roll I, yeah I know, I know Lonzo Ball can do the same thing yeah and like that was so exciting to see that Suns game. And Luke, please, please, let's do that some more. Let's Stick keep the that. ball in Lonzo's hands. Let's set him screens as opposed to him passing and setting down screens. I mean, we got to keep the ball in his hands. I mean, Lonzo, I think he, he's a ball-dominant point guard, but not in a bad way. Like, he's he's going to be willing to make that pass. We all know that. And he's got to have the ball in his hands. He shouldn't be passing the ball and, you know, going to the weak side of the offense. Yeah, Luke. So, uh, question: Why, why, why do we run that offense? I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Oh, okay. Um, Who's that, Kobe? <laughs> yeah, Kobe. Kobe will be guiding us through these podcasts uh, all the time. And uh, yeah. Um, next, and kind of coming to the conclusion of this podcast, I just had some interesting game notes. I wanted to kind of do a rapid fire thing with you, maybe get your thoughts and. Um, yeah, some interesting things. In the first game this season against the Clippers, we only Clippers. had the Flippers. I meant um, we only had, we had three players in double figures: Brooke with twenty points, Clarkson eighteen points, Nance had fourteen and, and twelve a double double. Those were only three players, and that was a, that was a bad game. That Clipper that, game that was a really bad game. Yeah, yeah I just thought. I think that first game, I think everyone, you know, first game for all teams, everyone was just really figuring themselves out. There's excitement. People are nervous. You know, everyone's, okay, I got I got to shine the first game. You know, I just noticed, I think Brooke Lopez, he did score, but I felt like there was some moments where he just, he didn't know anything else but to shoot the ball. And I think he was just catching and just doing, putting up a lot of shots, some, some which I thought were bad, and I thought, a couple plays or one or two plays he actually did pass the ball and it came out as a positive like i don't know someone else got a layup or something like that but uh, i think he's got to find himself uh you know obviously clarkson we know him he's gonna come out and play uh i just i just think the lakers were just a little bit nervous and uh, you know a lot of a lot of uh excitement in the air and everyone's just trying to figure themselves out that first game yeah and then also from that game larry nance was the only laker player that played at least 10 minutes that was a positive in the plus minus category hmm. yep uh next game let's go to the suns game this game there was a lot of I, as great as it was there was some fool's gold in it um what i mean i'll get to the first point is this lonzo ball 29 points and a lot of people interestingly are saying that they think that's going to be his season high um uh, that'll be interesting to see but it took him 27 shots to get 29 points Hmm. Hey, at least he's being aggressive. He, he, everyone was stomping on him about that first game. Oh, Patrick Beverly got the best of him, and he can't do anything as NBA. He, I think he has to shut the haters up. And if that means taking twenty-seven shots, 
you know, who who knows? What if you what if you drop forty? You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's less about how many shots, just the inefficiency. Twenty-seven shots to get twenty-nine points. That's just really yeah. inefficient. But um, but what's amazing is this uh, fact: Lonzo Ball, and this is this is just incredible. And this goes to the the glory and potential and beauty behind this player. Uh, he his twenty-nine points, eleven rebounds, nine assists. Only two players in NBA history had such a stat line uh, under the age of 21. And those two players are none other than LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Wow. And not and not only that, now add this on top. I said under 21. Lonzo's 19. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I'm telling you, man, this is, this is the prophecy. I mean, the Lakers have been waiting for, for this. This is what LA, this is what... Laker fans have been waiting for. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this since Magic Johnson. You know, a, a, such a high pick, such potential. Oh my God, this is a, this is amazing. Just to be in that name and, and with those names those in that category, names. those names: Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Wow. What? Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, and then in that same Suns game, Ingram, thirty-six minutes, two rebounds, one assist. Ouch. That that will not get the job done, but hey, I think he had a career high that game. Yeah, he was, did. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, he's he's there uh, offensively. He's aggressive, but yeah, he's got to he's got to be a better force on defense for sure. Talking about defense, Corey Brewer that game defense on Devin Booker that was fun, oh, man, dude. He was in his jersey. That was dope. He was in his jersey. He he was he was denying him the ball. You could clearly tell, like Corey Brewer, seasoned vet. Uh, he was getting in the young guy Devin Booker, and he he looked frustrated out there. He almost like it looked like there were a few plays where he just like gave up and he didn't even want to play that possession. He just kind of like stood on one side of the court and he's like, "Okay, Corey Brewer's on me. I can't do anything." Yeah, I remember he was so frustrated that he like pushed Nance and almost tried to start that fight and stuff. Yeah, no, he yeah he fouled. Uh, I think he fouled Corey Brewer really yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, he flagranted it. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, and then. But what I liked was, hey, Nance actually came to his backup and he kind of gave him a little like a little shoulder and stuff. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, dude, like, like Lakers need that. I mean, with with Meadow World Peace, he was the guy who's the Lakers muscle, as I like to call it. I think, I think Nance and Randall they can be that guy to be like the physical guy and you know be able to bang around and push around and get in people's faces and get that technical foul. You know, you got to get your teams back, you got to get your players back, and, and it looked like Nance had Corey Brewer's back on that. Yeah, and last thing about Corey Brewer, I, I, Corey Brewer, I like him on this team because he is the ultimate like transition player. Like he's not in half court set, he's like useless almost. But he loves the transition, and I think you'll see a lot of plays this year where Lonzo goes, does, throw, goes oh, has a throw ahead pass to Corey Brewer for a dunker layup, and he's super long, and he loves he's playing lanky. defense. And he, interestingly, he actually at one point in his career, he had, because this is like at least his eighth or ninth year, if not tenth, had a 51-point game at one point yeah, in his career. That was in career. Houston, right? Yeah, if it, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was, that's surprising. So he can score. He's kind of like, he, he has a little bit of like Lou Williams in him. Yeah. Um, next, let's talk about the Pelicans game. Uh, this game, the only note I had was that we were down 20. Dug ourselves in a hole. Then we went on a 27 to 4 run and actually took the lead. We were up five towards the end of the game, and then the Pelicans ended the game or they, on an 11 0 run and won by seven. Yeah, you know, what's funny is 
what got us in that game was running and pushing the ball and that energy oh my god the energy i cannot i can't explain that more i mean the energy was just out of the building the crowd was in it the laker players were just you know going up and down on defense they were rotating on offense they were just pushing the ball and then i think in the last three minutes and i don't know what i don't know what luke walton said to the team but it seemed like they just i don't know if they're purposely slowing the game down but it seemed like the game got really slow when the, when they slowed the game down they it seemed like they couldn't get you know the pelicans were just clamping down on the lakers defensively and i think that's what hurt them i think you got to keep the defense guessing and just keep it pushing yeah yeah um next the wizards game last night uh i just had a few interesting things uh we talked about how uh nance had well so listen to this nance had we had two players in with double doubles nance had 18 and 10 ingram had 19 and 10 but nance did it in 24 minutes ingram did it in 39 now it's not this is not a knock on ingram it's just how crazy is that from nance like nance double doubled in 24 minutes like that's wow that's pretty good that is really good yeah he gave us energy he made up man he was doing all these just these you know hustle plays like he was just all over the court he's finishing around the basket you know he he made his free throws, dude. He I want to see him throw in a couple more sledgehammer dunks, man. That I, I love that about. Oh Lance. yeah, they'll he got, come. He gets that from his dad for sure. Oh yeah. Um, and then Lonzo, he had the highest plus minus last night of any Laker, plus thirteen, and had ten assists to only one turnover. Wow. Very nice, clean game. Uh, Very nice. He, he seemed under control. I mean, hey. He didn't score, but hey, Lakers got that W. I'm, I'm happy. And that's the beauty about Lonzo Ball that everyone needs to understand. Like, this is not a guy who's going to come in and average 25 a game. I highly doubt, I highly doubt he will ever have a season where he averages over 20 points. And it's not because he can't, because he can't. It's because that he, that's just not how he plays. That's, and his impact goes way beyond the box score. And we've talked about this all summer, how... He's going to have games this year where he's going to have eight points, seven points, but be by far the most impactful and best player on the court. And it's amazing to see that kind of basketball because everyone needs a basketball as like shooting, shooting, especially everyone in Lakerland. We've all watched Kobe and that's what we love scoring. And this guy is like the complete opposite spirit animal of Kobe. And it's so interesting to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely agree with you. I think you know, it's it's contagious. His play is contagious. I said it earlier, like, man, the whole team looks unselfish out there. They won yesterday as a team game. Like, as a team, they won. Like, not one individual player made an amazing play. Yeah, Ingram had that, you know, game, uh, the shot at the end of regulation. But everyone made big shots towards, towards the end of the game. And, uh, you know, he just, with the team that's around him, with the, you know, the talent that's around Ball, including himself. I mean, he's got Kuzma. He's got Ingram. He's got Clarkson. He's got... Randall, all these guys who can score, you need a passer. You need a willing passer. And I think that's what Ball gives him that Russell didn't give him. You know, all those guys had to play behind him. Whereas Ball, like, you can put him on the court. You can put anyone on the court around him, and he's going to find him. He's going he's gonna to be able to get him buckets. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, all right, it's wrapping this uh, podcast up today. just want to go over the Lakers' uh, upcoming schedule uh, why don't you give me your predictions for these games tomorrow, which is Friday, October 27th, at home against the Raptors. The Craptors, I mean, I should say. The Craptors, yeah. Hey, I'm going to that game tomorrow, man. I'm, oh, I'm, nice. Yeah, I'm excited. We better get this W. And I think 
what got us the W against Washington was, I think, our defense towards the end of the game. I think that's what's going to give our W uh, tomorrow. We got to play that defense. We, that that fourth quarter, that yeah, I can dig it. I can dig that defense. <laughs> uh, and then we play a back to back. The next day, Saturday, we play Utah at Utah. What do you think about that? Uh, that's gonna be it's gonna be a good test. You know, second game of a back to back on the road. So obviously they're they're gonna be a little bit fatigued. Uh, the rest isn't gonna be there, but it's gonna be a good test for them physically. Uh, Utah's not that strong. I mean, they've lost Hayward, but they do have Gobert. Uh, they do have Rodney Hood, but uh, you know, Lakers. That's the, it. Should be two wins. You know, if Lakers could get these two, Lakers, I can dig it. I can. Dig it. If Lakers can get this these two Ws, I'll I'll be the happiest guy on earth. Oh, no doubt. Um, and yeah, remember we actually, we went to a preseason game. We saw the Jazz, uh, Donovan Mitchell, a rookie I really like. Um, Man, that guy killed us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that should be a good game. And then we play against, we play at home against Detroit on Tuesday, Halloween. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, maybe get some revenge against uh, his old team. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, he, he's... You That's know, a winnable game. Yeah, like, he's going to, I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulders. Detroit, I don't think he's that strong. Uh, I think KCP is going to look at go out there and prove a point like this is what you guys are missing. And then a good test on Thursday, an away game against the Portland Trailblazers. We got the backcourt of McCollum and Lillard. That was going to be a good test for Lonzo. Lonzo's got to be ready for that. Do you win or loss? Or? I mean, I'd like to see a win, but being realistic, I'd like to see a win, but being realistic, I think Lakers... I, I'm probably gonna lose that. Okay, and then the well, then they play the next day a back-to-back at home. In well, this means we gotta do the D'Angelo talk next week because we're playing against the Brooklyn Nets. D'Angelo Russell is playing at Staples Center next Friday. I'm, that's the game I'm most excited for out of all of these to see what D'Angelo does. Um, yeah, yeah, you, I think D'Angelo's gonna he's gonna. He's going to come out to prove something for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you know KCP is going to be guarding him. Uh, you know Clarkson is going to get a shot at him. So I don't know. There's going to be a love-hate relationship in that game for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that about wraps up this podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please do us a favor and follow us on social media at GTLA Lakers 818 underscore podcast. And we'll catch you guys next week. Tell your friends. And lastly, shout out to the artist that made this beat. The artist's name is Fleslit. Track's name is Money Problems. <laughs>